0: Live from the Nextcast for Anthropological Institute. Speak, friend, and download. Today we're talking about Lord of the Rings fans. Hello everybody, and welcome back to Fanthropological, the podcast that brings the fan's eye view to you. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about fans of Lord of the Rings. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick Z. Hello.
1: Um, my ears are pointy right now, so I've got to be an elf, right?
0: Oh, boo. Or Vulcan. Or boo. Vulcan. <laughs> mm. And
2: Nick T? I'm a level 10 halfling rogue. Uh, that means I get 3d6 sneak attack damage, so don't let me catch anybody in the dark. You're going to get some precision damage. Totally. That's that's what we're doing, right? This is the D&D episode? Yeah. We're I mean, finally this, here. Uh,
0: this uh, this topic today uh, jives a lot, lot more nicely with your gimmick. Than <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah. So it's not the D&D
0: episode. <laughs> uh, it's not the D&D episode. <laughs> Roll again. But before we get into talking about any Lord of the Rings, T watched a thing.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the best intro we've ever had.
0: <laughs> Just pure information.
2: <laughs> yep. I did watch a thing. So in a previous episode, we, I had said, I went on record as saying that I would commit to watching some amount of Supernatural and Twin Peaks. Today, I attempted to do both of those things. And I half failed, but like, Netflix <laughs> is hard, guys. So what I ended up doing, I went to go to Twin Peaks to watch the first three episodes. wasn't there. Twin Peaks is not on Netflix anymore. I will solve that problem later. Instead, I decided to watch Supernatural, and I skipped over the pilot and did watch the one episode that I did say that I would watch, which was fan fiction. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was campy. It was self-referential. It was meta. Uh, I I feel like I got a good distillation of what the show is and what it's trying to Mm -hmm. be and i got all of the impressions of the show being you know meant for men like i i got that impression i heard the two main actors they're a lot gruffer than i expected yeah they're like buff and they're not like manly but they project to that kind of aura they drive this car and they even make a reference in the episode being like well wait what's with all this like goofy singing it should be like classic rock <laughs> so I got all that and then I got all the it's like hey why are those two actors like these high school teenagers in the play why are they getting so close to each other it's like oh that's the um, BM moment it's like what the bell movement. <laughs> it's like no 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 the boys melodrama moment it's like oh okay it's it's like well but why are they so close together it's like because the subtext <laughs> anyway uh, not that I'm going to go back and watch all of Supernatural not that I ever had any problem going to watch any of Supernatural but now I know what I would be in for if I watched it and it looks like it would be so much fun
0: (laughs) man it sounds like it
2: it was particularly great because the big bad of the episode was Calliope who's the muse oh yeah yeah she was talking about her whole shtick was music I believe actually quite fittingly in particular Yeah. yeah But uh, in this case, she finds people who are really passionate about a work and then eats them. <laughs> and she was talking about Supernatural, the musical that they made, and why Supernatural, like it's literally called Supernatural the Musical. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and why it is such an amazing show. And it's obviously referring to Supernatural, the show that you're watching. I don't know. It was amazing. <laughs> Just watch the episode.
0: Some meta stuff.
2: Love it. It was more meta than that episode of Buffy with the musical, which was also great. So good. Anyway, it was great. I'll watch Trend Peaks when I can find a way to watch mm-hmm. it.
0: Mm.
1: Keep an eye out. It's worth it.
0: We shall see. Ha! <laughs> Do you feel like you got more out of it after having done the episode on it?
2: i would have enjoyed it regardless i think just because of the nature of the episode Mm -hmm. but because i did the research beforehand and i i got to see all the pieces Mm -hmm. fall into place it's like i i didn't have any idea what what all the supernatural stuff was yeah but i could get some of the in jokes without having to have watched all the seasons and even though they described i got a little bit confused because apparently in the tv show there's a book series called supernatural which is definitely (laughs) based off of their adventures and that is where the fan fiction that she wrote for the play came from so i got confused by that Mm. but i I don't think i would have enjoyed it nearly as much had i not done the research beforehand
0: oh man that's like how in logan Mm -hmm. the girl read comic books yeah x-men comics yeah and um what else oh yeah there was a little video advertising the uh, the contest to win breakfast with the like the seven different doctors from doctor who and it's peter capaldi being like i've heard they've made a show about my adventures i was like ah
2: (laughs) (laughs) it hurts brilliant Uh. i did really enjoy watching supernatural this week that is a fact do you know what else is a fact a part of the show that is my favorite part of the show it is not actually my favorite (laughs) part of the show but it's an important part of the show that's right we're talking fandom facts As mentioned, we are talking about Lord of the Rings this week. I've got some juicy, juicy facts to deliver up about this over 50-year-old work, and it's subsequently almost as old fandom. Published between 1954 and 1955, The Lord of the Rings is written by J.R.R. Tolkien. It is his epic fantasy story following the adventures of Frodo and many others hoping to stop the evil Lord Sauron. That is a gross oversimplification of the story. But we've got a lot to get through, so I'm just <laughs> going to keep moving along. Uh, the origins of the fandom are as such. The fandom started early on with letters being written to Tolkien about Middle Earth and the characters. In the 1960s, the hippie counterculture found some resonance with the book and helped it to become a bestseller. Several fan groups started around this time, notably the Tolkien Society and the Mythopaic Society, to name a few, and... Um, Again, I'm not going to dig into these too much because I have a feeling they're going to come up later in the episode. What's also interesting is that early on, and by that I mean the late 1960s, we see the first signs of anti-fandom. We start to see hate come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, co-founders of National Lampoon authored a novel, "Board of the Rings. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> Which means that only 20 years after the novel was written, people were already fed up with it. <laughs> There is so much history, so I'm just going to skip to a couple interesting tidbits that I got beyond that. Online fandom started in around 1993 with two newsgroups, alt.fan.tolkien and rec.arts.books.tolkien. I imagine one for discussion of the book literarily and the other one for discussion amongst fans. Mm -hmm.
1: I think there's also a mailing list in there as well.
2: Oh, there's probably many mailing lists, but mailing lists are not... um, like news groups are places that anyone on the internet can go, like if yeah if you go to it'll be
1: the same for everybody yeah i mean i I would say mailing lists are could also be a a source of fan finish discussion and that sort of thing, yes, although we have a little bit less visibility into that, yeah, that's just that I remember reading that there was one that also came up in the nineties anyway okay. that's that's fair um
2: there's this one interesting quote about the fandom. From Tolkien himself, or as paraphrased by Tolkien, Tolkien wrote of a deplorable cultus of fandom and stated that many young Americans are involved in the stories in a way that I'm not, referring to the Go-Go Gandalf and Frodo Lives buttons and stickers that had cropped up on many American college campuses. Someone wrote of him that he'd once told the professor about a young man who thought he was Frodo and Tolkien said, I've ruined their lives. (laughs)
1: Man, oh, man.
2: Crazy, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. In in terms of names for the fandom, uh, I couldn't find anything conclusive, but there were many, many different names brought up. Mm-hmm. Ringer, which is a fairly recent term limited to The Lord of the Rings. Tolkienist, or tof- Tolkien Dill, usually refers to students of the Elvish language or fans of Tolkien. The awful lot- <laughs> Lotrians. <laughs> As an L-O-T-R-I-A-N-S,
1: mm-hmm. because Ugh. we're lazy. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's the 50s. Nobody had time for anything.
0: What else were you going to do? Go on your phone? <laughs> no.
1: Sure, you'd talk all night
2: Read on that thing. looks like a nerd. <laughs> oh, man. This is where I started to find some really interesting stuff. I tried to find out when the fandom was most active, mm-hmm. or how big it was, or any of that kind of stuff. And it was hard. In terms of most active, I used Google Trends data to look this up. Google Trends goes back to about 2004. It was most popular relative to all search history in 2004. Not surprising. Yep. Um, There were spikes in December, January 2005, again in 2012, 2013, 2014. The movies were released in December of 2001, 2002, and 2003. (laughs) And The Hobbit was released in 2012, 2013, and 2014. Huh. I would argue that it's less popular now. I found out that DragonCon, a very large, important convention in the U.S., has removed its Middle-earth-related programming. Hmm. Oh, did you find out why? I think it's because they were going to lump it into the fantasy track, because I guess there Mm, wasn't enough distinctiveness. Oh, okay. In terms of the size of the fandom, over 150 million copies of the lord of the rings have been sold
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's never been out of print
2: <laughs> but i could not find out how many fans there are i couldn't find a convention i could i found like tolkien moot which has been running since oh. 2005 to the present yeah and it touts his attendance as 20 to 50 in person <laughs> and 100 to 200 online it is
1: yeah that was something that i found out about some of the conventions um now and in the past uh, that They were a little bit more on the scholarly side, like people would present essays or articles that they wrote about Tolkien or his works, so that kind of limits the uh, the attendance to people who are interested in that element of fandom.
2: Yep, I definitely got that impression. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only other thing that I would like to mention is the number of fanfics. Yeah. In a shocking twist, <laughs> fanfiction.net has more fanfics than Archive of Our Own. Wow. Mm. By a large margin. (laughs) Fanfiction.net thankfully only has one category for Lord of the Rings, the books. And it has 55,000 fanfics. Wow. Archive of Our Own, over all media types, has almost 18,000. Wow. Wow. It's
0: approaching 100,000.
2: Yeah, it's getting up there. I think that's pretty comparable to a lot of the other fandoms we've talked
0: about. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm
1: the tricky thing i mean i'm not sure i don't remember if if we ran into this at all with uh, star trek way back when but my guess um if those numbers seem a little bit short to either of you or to you out there listeners um my guess is that part of the problem is that the earlier fanfics have just been locked away in in
0: zines Mm Hmm. i've come up against that a couple of times yeah like you know if it starts pre-internet like, yeah. Google Trends is not going to give us all the information on this, right? Yep. Because it just it goes way back. But, like, the fact that we have some.
1: Yeah. Still sheds some light on it. That's why I usually try to
2: dig into a couple different sources to get a sense for the size of the fandom. But mm-hmm. I figured Google Google Trends is the best we got in this case. And unsurprisingly, people have not been as excited on the internet for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in here with a, a one number that I found. Yeah, right. um, I found this, this list of the 25 most devoted fan bases from Vulture. Um, and the only sort of uh, meaningful number of fans that they gave, although it's kind of a, a muddy number, an unclear number, is the number of Facebook followers that something or all of the major Facebook groups, or I don't know how they calculated it, but. Just um, like
0: the likes of property has, I guess?
1: I, I guess. Yes, but according to them the number of facebook followers for lord of the rings or tolkien or related stuff is 10.4 million i don't believe it well i mean it doesn't take <laughs> as much it doesn't take as much effort to like click follow as it does to sit down and write out a fan fiction and then publish it i, so. I don't
2: even think that's people who have clicked follow i think that's people who have listed lord of the rings in their interests that's ah. what i meant which is who like basic yeah it yeah that is, as we've mentioned previously, the least useful definition of a fan ever. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: you know, it's people who took took the time. There's lots of stuff that I like that I don't have listed as I like them on Facebook. The fact that you would list it is, is of some import. Right,
1: I suppose. Yeah, there's some identification so, there. We've said ourselves,
0: to be a fan, you just have to say you're a fan. And that's what these people I are doing. know. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> active fans, maybe is uh what's more interesting right it's just like we're the largest fandom
2: it's like right but there's no particular identity or story it's just i read a book and i liked it it's like right <laughs> well eaten, that, i mean
1: <laughs> on that list from vulture um out of 25 lord of the rings ranked sixth so they were pretty big all right
0: now we gotta guess number one <laughs> is it
1: star wars um no it star trek star wars was number two.
0: Oh, okay Ooh. all right
2: is Christianity number one?
0: <laughs> number one? No. Star Wars number two, you said. Yep. I feel like I'm on Family Feud.
1: Oh, Harry Potter. No. Harry Potter, I think, was number
0: eight. Ooh.
2: Well, I've got two strikes according to Family Feud rules.
0: That's true. Ah, uh, all right. When is this article from?
1: It is from 2012.
0: Okay. Hmm. Star Wars second biggest. <laughs> Have we covered number one on the show?
1: No, we actually haven't covered this one yet. Oh. We okay, well, we haven't covered it as anthropological. Oh. But we have covered it in a past episode. Alright. Third strike, Game of Thrones. Ding ding ding.
0: Ah, I was just about to guess that.
1: Third times the charm. Yes. <laughs> Game of Thrones.
2: Alright, where's uh that Harvey guy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or Al from Home Improvement. Oh yeah, I used to remember his name. Or John O'Hurley. I don't know any of those names. <laughs> John O'Hurley is the is Ben from Seinfeld. Oh, he's got like the big booming voice.
2: Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. He's in. He does the Coors Light ads. I think. Yeah, that's that's him. <laughs> I mean, don't ask me why that also sticks there. It's the <laughs> voice. It's a very distinctive voice. Yeah. yeah. Right. That is the Phantom Facts for this week. (laughs) We got them all. Peterman is coarse.
0: (laughs) For some reason, I always think these books came out way earlier than they actually did.
1: Well, The Hobbit came out in uh, 1937, so I mean...
0: I keep thinking they're like turn of the century, Mm. which is untrue. I
1: I feel like that just might be part uh, part of Tolkien's kind of literary aesthetic. Yeah. His style was sort of old even when he wrote it, and... Obviously more so now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I didn't get the chance to have any famous last words last episode. <laughs> but if I did, no doubt it would have been like, Derpty Derpty Der, why are people fans Lord of the Rings Derpty Der? <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Rings is stupid. <laughs> what? Oh man, what a convenient question. That's your, that's your question every week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why do people like
0: these things?
2: It's usually not so stupid of about- me. <laughs> <laughs> This week we got no time. Less infathomable stupidity.
0: All right, let's run charging with abandon into the Y.
1: Okay. Why?
0: First things first, Tom Bombadil.
2: That that's that's why I should have <laughs> been in the weird. movies. <laughs> that's what? Okay, no, stop it, you two. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> How are you going to fit Tom Bombadil? How are you going to fit Tom Bombadil into the movies?
1: When they uh when they pass out and then they wake up. Yep. I mean, I feel like I'm it's been so long since I've seen the movies. I'm just mashing scenes from the movies and the books together in my head. Probably. But uh when they wander through a meadow shortly after leaving the Shire, I think it's shortly after they meet up with Aragorn and uh then they wake up and I'm pretty sure in the movie they just kind of wake up and they're suddenly armed. I guess the explanation being that Aragorn just give him daggers or whatever. But in the books, they wake up and Tom Bombadil sort of helps them through the the strange forest they're in.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, he'll be in the, the series of movies based off the Silmarillion. Oh, man. Uh, anyway.
1: So people like Lord of the Rings because it has Tom Bombadil in it. Because
0: it doesn't have Dumb. Tom Bombadil in
1: it. What? Anyway, so
0: <laughs> let's start here. Similar to Sherlock... Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord of the Rings can be considered the OG in terms of modern fantasy. Yep, like any ideas of, of fantasy since then have been influenced by Tolkien, pretty much.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, hold on. When was um was that other author C.S. Lewis? Mm-hmm. They were friends. Yep. Yep. So when was the Chronicles of Narnia written? Probably around the same time as The Hobbit.
1: Right. So how is it? This, I'm immediately I, contesting your argument before we even get there. <laughs> now that's good. I think like I think that Tolkien kind of wins out in most people's minds when they think of fantasy over uh, C.S. Lewis because uh, even though they could both be read in, in a religious way, I think C.S. Lewis's uh, Narnia books are a little bit not more on the nose about it, but maybe a little bit more direct and obvious about their uh, their Christian underpinnings what with the Lion, basically being Jesus and all that stuff,
0: I read them as an adult, and it was like, yeah, smacking you in the face, um, <laughs> but they came out at the same time, and I'm not saying that c s Lewis you know copied Tolkien, <laughs> they were different, they had different fans I'm just saying Tolkien yep. like one,
1: yeah,
0: in terms of his influence on all fantasy that came since,
1: yeah, right, okay, yeah, my theory would simply be that. For Lewis it was more about uh, chivalry and the Christian underpinnings thereof with Tolkien it was more about I'm going to set out to rebuild the mythology of England and I actually found a quote I love when Z finds,
2: finds anything because you actually hear the old vellum pages in his study <laughs> flipping back and forth yep. I can just imagine the like musty smell of the room yep
1: you can you can hear my Neat. smoking jacket crinkling.
2: Ink spilling all over the
1: pages. (laughs) Ah, Uh, But Tolkien set out to create a new mythology for England, yet leave scope for other minds and hands wielding paint and music and drama.
3: Whoa.
0: Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make this world and y'all can step inside.
1: Oh, yeah. I think people were more uh, enticed by that than, you know, a Christian allegory.
0: Because the uh, the Lord of the Rings story takes place in the third age, and our timeline is the fourth or fifth age, is it not?
1: Probably the fifth. because like the, the, at the end of the third, I think it's the end of magic, and that's why the elves have to have to leave. Hmm. So fourth is probably you know the time between like the Middle Ages and the modern day, and then the Industrial Age would be like the fifth.
0: Yeah, like like it's just supposed to eventually be congruent with the present. Yeah, which is interesting.
2: Hmm. so that i did not know but that is consistent with what i had read about um one of the big defining qualities of lord of the rings as cementing itself as important to fandom is the the world building characteristic and it doesn't as as you both mentioned it doesn't take much to see that dungeons and dragons the role-playing game largely owes its success to fantasy literature which of course owes its success to the OG fantasy, <laughs> and I mean, what Dungeons and Dragons came out in the seventies?
0: Yes, like late seventies. I want
2: to say, probably. I covered on a future probably. episode. I'm almost yeah. Certain. yeah. Oh yeah. So if it was still capturing people's imagination at that point, being able to explore these fantastic worlds, mm-hmm. then
1: it must have had some influence. <laughs> to understate things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had some staying power.
0: And I believe Tolkien was basically stitching together like old English myths and things like that, was he not? Or at yeah, least drawing inspiration from them?
1: Definitely. Like there's a lot of uh if you're at all familiar with uh old English poetry, you know that they were really big on uh Mariners and the sea. Huh. And even though there's Rhyme not a lot of sea the... travel Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Even though there's not a lot of sea travel or anything in The Lord of the Rings. And stuff like the Silmarillion and the uh, Untold Stories or Lost Stories. Unfinished Tales. That's the one. Um, A lot of the sort of origin stories of Middle-earth involve different races or people who were seafarers. And then he pulls Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff from Norse, too. Mm. I think um, the wizard that Sylvester McCoy plays... Radagast? Radagast. I think he is pretty much... Like, the prototypical Norse wizard magician type person. Mm. Along with Gandalf, too. I mean, sort of stoic. He's a bit of a druid. Presence. Yeah.
0: Radagast, definitely so. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, because, like, a lot of those, you know, old English myths tend to be, like, in the form of stories about, like, a character. Yep. Or a place. Yeah. It's not usually writ large like Lord of the Rings is. No. And that is, I think, one of the things that's so inviting about it, like it is another world, yeah, apart from the fact that we've just established that it's supposed to be our world <laughs> uh, it is well, it I is mean, a world it's just... unto itself,
1: yeah, uh, yeah the whole the whole idea of it coming back around to the real world is just I think his way of tying it in to make it a mythology of England or of the world instead of just mm-hmm. a, this separate alternate universe
0: or or Mars, or whatever. Yeah. Has to have import. Yeah. And that actually brings me to something that T mentioned during the fandom facts. Oh, what? Which is the mythopoeic society. I Uh, was thinking we were going to get to that. Yes, which is the study of the Inklings, which is Tolkien, Hmm. C.S. Lewis, and uh, that third guy, Charles Williams. (laughs) I'm sorry, Charles Williams. I'm sorry you didn't also write a genre-defining book. (laughs) but it's like quite intent on its on its academic ambitions and like what the kind of thing you can get out of um out of these authors Mm -hmm. and it has a bit of a a statement yeah okay here we go so this this is what defines the literature they choose like they went a little bit beyond it's these three guys Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and they have like a criteria for the literature So we define this as literature that creates a new and transformative mythology, or incorporates and transforms existing mythological material. Transformation is the key. Mere static reference to mythological elements invented or pre-existing is not enough. The mythological elements must be of sufficient importance in the work to influence the spiritual, moral, and or creative lives of the characters, and must reflect and support the author's underlying themes. This type of work, at its best, should also inspire the reader to examine the importance of mythology in his or her own spiritual, moral, and creative development. Our members are a diverse lot, and their individual definitions of mythopoeic literature and its authors are equally diverse. So... Oh, he was uh he was as indulgent as Dionysus doesn't cut it here. <laughs> not not only must there be a mythology, it must be an important mythology an important uh diegetically.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, could you define diegetically?
0: Within the text.
2: Thank you. Yeah. For all future occasions could you just use Watsonian in reference to diegetically? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess maybe I should. <laughs>
1: No, it's it's fine. I know, I'll try to commit that to memory. Yeah. it would work uh, diegetically within the the context of anthropological. Oh my God,
0: <laughs> Kill him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what I was going to say is, I think that's particularly relevant because, like as we'd mentioned, Tolkien borrowed heavily from existing mythology, but did not merely reference it, but recreated it. One of the things mm-hmm. that I came across during my research was that Rohirrim, as an example, mm-hmm. one of the languages covered in the book spoken by the horse lords of Rohan mm-hmm. uh, is heavily influenced by old English. I mean, also worth noting is that Tolkien himself was a scholar of English and old English and yep. other ancestors to English. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Tolkien is one of the authors of the only Gothic
1: poetry that exists. Oh, wow. Uh, I did not know that.
2: Yeah. I can see how that's important.
1: Yeah. That brings to mind a, a passage that was quoted on a, one of the threads on Reddit that I was looking at, and basically it's this passage that's uh, explaining how, I think it was Sam who fought uh, the giant spider, Shelob, but basically explaining how Shelob's skin is so hard that nothing could pierce it, and not, not even the strongest warrior, but instead of saying strongest warrior, he refers to Baron, who, if you like, know your stuff about whole Middle-earth history and everything... It's this mythological warrior who was renowned for his physical strength. So right there.
0: Yeah. Well, like the appealing part of the mythology is that it's so thorough. Mm-hmm. If you poke it, it's not going to wobble or leave a hole. <laughs> right? I am not interested in reading in Elvish or like, hmm? you know, finding out what the Elvish version of Shakespeare is. <laughs> or, you know, like like they do with Klingon. The translation of Shakespeare yeah. into Klingon for yucks. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he did it is comforting. Yeah. It's like when you're inhabiting this world, he's not going to leave out stuff. Yeah. There's not going to be plot holes. And like, it's <laughs> like, not going to be like, what about this? I mean, there's always going to be, you know, questions about fandom, about going further and further and further Yeah, into the story, but you're pretty well taken care of. Like, it's, it feels like a pretty complete world.
1: Mm-hmm. He definitely did not leave very many. Uh stones unturned in that regard i think that's why a lot of people maybe not were initially attracted to it but were pulled into it Mm -hmm. because it's it's this as we've been saying this like complete world unto itself that you know if there's some little minor reference in like a three-page description of a tree it's not just in there to add like an extra paragraph it's in there because it actually has meaning and that meaning's been worked out it's not just left up to the fans to imagine it
0: unlike a uh, certain david lynch
1: <laughs>
0: tolkien was not <laughs> not as interested in ambiguity
1: yeah. <laughs> not so much
0: so i i have a, a
2: question that might take us off on a fun tangent mm-hmm. let's do it do you think that anybody's taken tolkien's mythology and extrapolated it to other parts of the world Ooh! if tolkien's mythology is very much a retelling of english like the history of england in mm-hmm. the like third age or whatever do you think anyone's taken that concept and extrapolated to what might have been going on in Asia or Africa or um, even in North America when the elves go to the Westlands? Hmm. Did they go to North America? Did they go to Iceland? <laughs> <It's North laughs> no, I'm, no, yeah, i get I'm it, not I get it. like I'm not trying to be goofy, but for a man who is very. Intent on describing the mythology, and to like, I don't know, sketch in the lines and leave other people to paint in the details, or to tell the, sing the songs, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that ever came about.
1: It's uh, maybe not in the same way. I mean, just from what I know about the fantasy genre, that's sort of what people have tried. Weirdly enough, have tried to do to not be as derivative as some might say all fantasy has been since Tolkien like um he doesn't doesn't really go super in depth it's more it's more like a a borrowing or a use of Chinese folklore and a little bit of mythology but Guy Gavriel Kay's um River of Stars and Under Heaven that uh, duology of books is like high heroic fantasy based in pre-medieval medieval uh China
3: Hmm.
1: yeah but i think like i think what you're what you're asking is like has anybody done what tolkien did for england's mythology with like japan's mythology or uh native american mythology I, that is that is not what i'm asking no in, i i was
2: what i was just wondering what happens in the rest of the world but the ah. answer is clearly I am not enough of yeah. a Lotrian to know <laughs> I kinda... how the world of Lord of the Rings was created and obviously cannot involve yeah. age. No, I just, like, quickly looked yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah. It, the world does not exist how I thought it did, so... <laughs> yeah.
0: It is just... Like, I think the map of Middle-Earth is, like, everything that exists in Middle-Earth.
2: Yeah. Uh, it is not all of Ea, but it is... Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of like uh, many mythologies, I think. Like, any any sort of real-world real, uh, real world geography that is not the country of origin is just, like, where people go when they die. You know, it's just that mysterious place way out there that That's... nobody ever goes to.
0: That's the part that I always thought was so curious hmm? about, uh, about Lord of the Rings and Middle-earth. Because heaven is, like, over there. <laughs> it's not, yeah. like, in in the clouds or anything. <laughs> it's, like... It's like over there.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. You uh, just sail over, say hi, and then I come mean, back only, for, only, for lunch.
0: Only elves are allowed now. But, uh, yeah. Is it exists like like heaven exists on earth?
2: Ooh, it, heaven is a place on earth. That's
1: right. <laughs> Inspired by Tolkien,
2: <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Uncontroversially, it's really hard to separate. People who are fans of The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, from fans of Tolkien. In the research that we did, we found, you know, a lot of things about conventions that are not really Lord of the Rings specific. They're more specific to Tolkien. They're things about fantasy, but not so much about Lord of the Rings. I would say that Lord of the Rings may not have been the right fandom to talk about this week. Maybe we should have talked about
0: Tolkien fans, but I would not
2: have known that until we started this research.
0: <laughs> well, it's a tricky line mm-hmm. because while Tolkien did things that are not Lord of the Rings, this is by far and away the thing he is most known for, and I believe represents a majority of his output.
1: Uh, yeah, certainly. Of his, at least of his fiction output, if not of his officially published output.
0: I feel like. There's a distinction when people say they're Tolkien fans or tokenists.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like that lends itself to totally sound or to want to want to seem more academic about it. Yeah, because there's a lot of academic study of Tolkien and mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, whereas like ringers or what have you, I'm yeah, just like I love this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of the things I found on the uh, Wikipedia entry for the fandom of tolkien was this distinction within the fandom between serious fans who have sort of an overarching knowledge of everything that he wrote and then the non-serious fans and this is on a continuum um, with the non-serious fans on the other end being those who just know about the lord of the rings the hobbit and have maybe at least heard of the silmarillion Hmm. so i think like the fandom not speaking to its size, cause we don't know how big it is or how small it is, but uh, you know, some of the fans are just there because they've read a thing and liked it a lot. Others are there because as, a, as somebody who was himself a scholar, he just, Tolkien threw a lot of scholarly stuff in there and people are trying to unpack it. I remember reading that in fact some people um, take the names of places in Middle-earth and with what they know about the languages those place names come from, try to, like, work out the folklore behind the place names. Oh, So it it goes pretty much as deep as you want it to go, mm. which is crazy. Right. So
2: another example of a highly curative fandom. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, a bit more interestingly, because we have people trying to explore the real world connection between the fantasy world and the real world.
1: Mm-hmm. I but, mean uh, yeah yeah I mean uh part of Tolkien's mission when he set out to do this was not just to like write up a new mythology for England because he's Tolkien and he wants to write a new mythology for England um it's because he felt that after 1066 when the Normans came in and frenchified everything uh, a lot of the old mythologies were lost so he wanted to try to recover that mm. so he himself is kind of a curative figure in that way
0: interesting
1: yeah yeah and actually um, another, another thing I learned in my research was that we, we talked about at the beginning of the show how, in the later 60s, some hate started to accrue around the fandom. And apparently one of the sources of that was that um, even fans of other things, I guess maybe at the time, like the Beatles or Star Trek or other, other big names, thought that Lord of the Rings fans were taking it too far with with their, you know trying to gloss every little thing in the book and trying to go through the mythology with a fine toothed comb and all that. And I kind of wonder if that was because at the time most fandoms were, I'm going to say passive for the Beatles. People just liked listening to it and going to concerts.
0: (laughs) There were courses on the Beatles (laughs) in schools while the Beatles were around.
1: Oh man. Right. English teachers loved using their songs. Hence.
0: Yeah. To which John Lennon's response was to write, I am the walrus.
1: Yep. <laughs> well, at least relative to the other major, uh, me- well, major TV slash book fandom, Star Trek, uh, Lord of the Rings seemed from the get go way more curative than any other major fandom at that point. Mm. I mean, I guess you could argue that Sherlock Holmes was also kind of on the border, maybe leaning a little bit more curative because of the the Great Game.
0: Yeah, it seemed like there was a bit less of the actual scholarly side to Sherlock. Yeah. Like, there's lots of, like, analysis Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and
0: stuff like that, but I feel like it shared a little bit from actual academics.
2: I think Lord of the Rings is kind of... We talked about fandom, and we talked about how, as an example, maybe Sherlock Holmes is one of the earliest examples of of fandom. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about Frankenstein, but that would probably be the first... whatever... Not important. (laughs) But if you think about fandom historically like you would with the Tree of Life or with, um, you know, like a family tree, Lord of the Rings fandom, is, I think, is one of those things that falls very close to the trunk.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: For sure.
2: And so as a result of that, those kinds of fandoms, I think, are inherently curative. Because Mm -hmm. those are points where the author controls more of the work. There's the earlier in history, the less opportunity
1: people have to influence things. That's true. But, like, my understanding of transformative fandom wasn't that people were trying to necessarily influence artists or the creators. They were just, like, taking that material and then transforming it into something to use amongst themselves. Right. But that is less visible in the past
2: as well. Those are things that happen in private spaces. Yep. Um, As you get closer towards the present, not only does it get... Does your trunk start to diverge into more and more different fandoms and and splinters and whatnot? The transformative element that is mostly private becomes semi-private by going on mailing lists and things, and then Mm -hmm. eventually becomes public today. Lord of the Rings, when it came out, was part of this trunk. Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. when it became a movie, was already part of this bush. Yeah. And I think that is perhaps why examining the fandom in today's perspective is so challenging because there are still those original fans who were kind of like, I don't want to say it's a gated fandom, but like that, that's how fandom was, right? Like you had people who introduced you to things and got you into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those kinds of fans are the, the tokenists not mm-hmm. partly because it's academic or mm-hmm. academic, mm-hmm. but the reason we couldn't find the other fans is because they've become part of this cloud of just general, Media fandom or fantasy fandom or something yeah, like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To some extent, I would agree. But I think even though there's, they're almost impossible to find, I think even when it started out, there were what we would now call ringers, you know, people who were on the more non serious side of things, even back in the day. I would argue that because Lord of the Rings is a book and a best selling one at that more people were exposed to it than say to star trek which was super popular but was only available once a week for about an hour at a time
0: lord of the rings available anytime
1: yeah yeah so i think there i think like there were probably fans who were maybe a little bit more than casual earlier on like in terms of what evidence remains i don't think like there didn't seem to be very much uh, fan fiction in the various zines that were mentioned although uh Marion Zimmer-Bradley did uh, do some Lord of the Rings pastiche and had a crossover with Aragorn. Mm. Marion Zimmer-Bradley, for those curious, is the writer of The Mists of Avalon, part of the Darkover series. interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't
2: really want to get into a discussion about Star Trek versus Lord of the Rings in any particular capacity. I was just going to point out that I'm not sure that uh, that might tell us a lot about the fandom, too. Reading a book, unless you, like, is about accessibility, you either need to purchase the book, which means you need the money to do so, or you need to go to a library, which I don't know how many copies of Lord of the Rings would have been stocked at the local library. Mm -hmm. Um, Star Trek, as a thing, has been going on since it started in the 60s or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's been broadcast on television, which is, quote, free to anyone who has a television. And Mm -hmm. cable. And Ah. Well, yeah, now.
0: I don't. I do not buy argument that TV is more accessible than books.
2: No, no. I just like that's a difference in consumption. Yeah, I think gives you different kinds of fandoms. I think they've evened out about
0: now.
1: Oh, now it
2: now it's all a moot point. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. Plus the movies, but it it like maybe because it started out as a book, it was interesting to read how uh, in the '90s new fans for Lord of the Rings were coming about. There were people who were for lack of a better word being converted to the fandom um even though there had been no new lord of the rings stories or no new tolkien period since tolkien's letters were published in the 80s and then again in the uh in the aughts when the first string of movies was coming out you wind up with some fans who never read the books and like getting getting back to your you're mentioning that it seemed like a bit of a gated fandom I can't speak to it back in the day, back in the fifties, sixties, seventies. But it it was interesting that at least in the in the aughts, when there were those fans who had never read the books, um and just saw the movies, the so called purists who, you know, thought the books were better by default, apparently were accepting of fans who got into it through the movies, but then went and read the books.
0: Let me you could not have picked a more perfect segue. Because now I'd like to read thing i found most interesting when i was doing my research Mm -hmm. all right so t referred to it as somewhat of a gated community allow me to show you the gate
1: um
0: this is from the lord of the rings wiki Mm -hmm. ltr.wikia.com and the article fandom yeah and the subheading effects of the films Mm -hmm. so uh you tell me uh what kind of fan this person is curative the number of fans and the number of people who admit in public to being fans has increased enormously due to the benefits of mass media and advertising as has the number of people who have read of or at least heard of the books however some of the new tolkien fans in air quotes are apparently unaware or uncaring that the films were based on a book. On points where the books and movie diverge, many book fans will accept changed scenes more or less, but new fans who have never read the books usually base beliefs about the mythology on the movie, beliefs that are contradictory to established canon. For example, movie fans might think Arwen is a warrior, which is, while not entirely impossible within the actual story, is certainly not supported by any material published by Tolkien. Similarly, all elves are not automatically strong warriors and archers. Arwen's strength in the book is emotional and possibly spiritual, And the feeling of many new fans that she must also be a strong fighter in order to be, again in air quotes, a worthwhile female character, is counterproductive, actually weakening the character. A special kind of new fandom centers around fangirls who tend to idolize the male stars of the movies in a rather unhealthy way. Most notably Orlando Bloom, Legolas, despite the fact that the role is not a major character.
1: It's just one person writing in a wiki.
2: Yeah. I I think at some point I, I briefly read parts of that and i thought is there a thread here is there like a an ongoing like misogynistic thing going on and like i didn't dig too deep and i don't think i mean maybe there is but i don't think there's any more than any this is a sad comment but it's i don't think there's anything any more than other fandoms especially probably it's probably it's more indicative of the time where you had a prominent male author in a predominantly white male society yeah. writing about war I, and things which he'd experienced personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like that doesn't surprise me that there's not a lot of like female characters and but like that when you were describing I'm like, "Oh cool, this is like, hey, I'm the old guard and you're the new guy and I hate all things that are new." Yeah, cuz they're wrong. Yeah, that's was great, wasn't it? <laughs> Dumb and stupid. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's oh that's goodness. basically every argument about fandom ever. That that's... is what I worried about when we were talking about Transformers fandom.
0: That's <laughs> that's a that's in their wiki.
2: To be fair, looking at that wiki, it hasn't been updated in a very long time. It mentions mm. the Hobbit trilogy as being a thing in development. I see. Okay. Mm. So it hasn't, that page in particular has not been touched in a while, which maybe is another comment on Lord of the Rings fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of hard to keep a fandom going when there's nothing to
0: keep it alive.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: there have been more books. Yep christopher tolkien has taken it up he wrote yep. uh, children of her i don't know if much of that was based on J.R.R. tolkien's existing stuff or if it was just expanding what was in the silmarillion
1: i think that was based on some notes i mean i don't know much about tolkien's process but i do know that one of the things that he would do um, in his writing life is that he would just have like a briefcase full of loose leaf paper with ideas written on each sheet and then when he, he was like on vacation or had a long train ride or something he would just pull out a piece of paper at random and jot down a story Hmm. so it might have been something like that i mean even supposing new material is is coming out i think
2: probably the gap between when the lord of the rings and the hobbit and all that stuff came out and now all of the hype has kind of died down but more importantly it's not new at this point it's less novel maybe one of the reasons that fandom has died down is because Tolkien made a very good world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but only his stuff can live in it
0: Yeah. (laughs) well everything that comes out like even books that come out have to almost have to be supplemental right
3: Mm -hmm.
0: it's not like the further adventures of Frodo or something (laughs) everything's just kind of elaborations
1: yeah I kind of get the impression that people are and again this is because I didn't really come across much fan fiction um, despite the numbers at fanfiction.net but it seems like people aren't necessarily so interested in the characters and what happens to them afterwards as they are in the mythology the like how the world came to be and why this or that person or this or that group is uh, is what it is or you know people just want to want <laughs> to discuss whether or not belrogs have wings or elves have pointy ears That's the worst part of Curative (laughs) How How the orcs actually came to be. That's
2: actually kind of interesting.
0: Now, I will admit, I was looking through our L-O-T-R for research.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And on one side, I'd be putting tabs and be like, oh, this might uh, help me find out a little bit more about fandom. On the other, it was like, what happened to the blue wizards? I'm like, I got to find out what happened to the blue (laughs) wizards. Because there's so little information. (laughs) Yeah. Also, just read the article about Balrogs for like 20 (laughs) minutes.
1: Do they have wings?
0: It was ambiguous on that. uh,
2: Wings of shadow. Wings of shadow. Can they fly? (sighs) Let's get the Mistbusters on this. (laughs) If he could. Oh my.
0: It's a double fun.
2: It's a double fun. Ah!
0: If he could fly, he wouldn't have died, right? (laughs) Also true. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: But I mean. Other series have places to take their stories. Star Trek can continue Mm -hmm. to work its way mostly into the future, but also in between the gaps. Yeah.
0: Doctor Who the same.
2: Yeah. Oh, Doctor Who can take itself anywhere. That's (laughs) if I haven't said it before, I should say now Doctor Who is absolutely perfect from a storytelling perspective. It can go on forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it can go wherever, whenever. Yeah. It has retconning built into the story. (laughs) That's true. Cracks of time (laughs) shenanigans. (laughs) But the Lord of the Rings only has one place to go, and that's to the present. Yep. Where there's no elves going to show
1: up. Do you think because of that, because there's that definite end, not just to the Lord of the Rings story like in the books, um, but to the mythology itself, that Lord of the Rings fandom won't quite last as long as say, Star Trek fandom or Doctor Who fandom?
0: Well, I mean... There's always going to be people discovering it, right? Right. Like, that's not going to stop. No. But people may not spend as much time with it as they do with something that is, quote, ongoing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there will be more movies. Of that, I am certain.
1: Yeah, somebody else will take a crack. Or
0: or Peter Jackson will take more.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Yep. Um. There will be more. There will be resurgences.
3: Mm-hmm
0: lord of the rings but maybe a finite number of new stories
3: yeah
1: do you think the books would would fade from view then and become like almost this mythical thing in in and of themselves as more and more movies get made and like the 2043 version of the silmarillion is the real official version guys Uh, and that book
0: is fake no because there will always be people who'd be like well I i should read the book first word to the wise don't read the book first yeah. Then you'll enjoy both. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes for anything, based on the book.
2: I, re- I read the books first, and I... Di- it didn't make a difference. I was like, cool, this is great. I, I didn't imagine this. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think even despite um, the quantum wings of the Balrog, <laughs> that, uh, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy of films is almost an unusually faithful set of movies that's true like they hue so close to the books
2: Mm -hmm. well it's probably one of the first large adaptations right Mm -hmm. like harry potter came after around the same time but that was also written recently i don't know Mm -hmm. whatever
0: there's also i think i think in terms of movies it's one of the first where they just filmed all of it like at once basically
1: yeah it was.
2: To answer your question Z I I think that uh, Lord of the Rings is on life support. I would put it in the same Mm. category as Grateful Dead fans. There will always be somebody who is a fan of it but it is going off to the western lands now.
0: (laughs) It's had its most popular day.
2: Yeah and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with having a good thing and it being over. That's a good story. Like It's not like anybody
3: is
0: denied access to it.
3: Yeah.
2: It's always no.
0: going to be there.
1: Yep. Just like that third age. You can still learn all about it by reading Lord of the Rings.
2: <laughs> Try it today. <laughs> I will I will say this about the fandom. It's very interesting that Lord of the Rings has gone on as long as it has mm-hmm. for what little there is. Yeah. And I don't mean to say that there's not a lot. It's just that it's some books and some notes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I guess I could say the same of Harry Potter, but Harry Potter <laughs> has had an explosive amount of growth, whereas Lord of the Rings has had fans since the 1950s.
0: Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd compare it to, like, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how much of a fandom was launched from three movies? Well, yeah, now, now it's so much. Yeah, oh, it's so much now. But if you want to look at even a sp- more specific, even after the first movie... Man, yeah. ...it exploded in popularity. Uh, even though it didn't get the Oscar, Annie Hall did. <laughs> Uh, 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 right, 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 rightfully so <laughs> Whoa! yeah I'll say it g at the next any Annie Hall was a better movie than Star Wars <laughs> The Academy was right
1: I liked it but it had that nervous guy in it The
0: Academy is not always right yeah really I think it's time to move on to internet. Out T are you in or out
2: I I'm going to start with, I don't think there is an in to be in, but I am out. I read the books. I've seen the movies. I've seen two thirds of the Hobbit trilogy. I have not read the Hobbit. I don't have any particular interest in participating in the Lord of the Rings fandom. It is a really cool world that I just have zero interest in <laughs> at this point. If there was another movie, I might watch it. I don't know. I like the first two Hobbit movies, but I think that's yeah. mostly because I like... Um, Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, yeah. <laughs> both of them.
0: Only one is in The Hobbit, but they're both <laughs> good.
2: Would Would The Hobbit have been really good if it had Morgan Freeman?
0: Narrating or just in it? Now, again, Why not both?
1: You told me that I would be going on a simple journey. You never said anything about these dwarves.
0: Morgan Freeman as Bilbo.
1: (laughs)
2: Well, (laughs) better get on living or get on dying. (laughs) The
0: (laughs) most famous
1: catchphrase. (laughs) (sighs) I'm out. All right. Uh, Z, are you in or out? I am out of the Lord of the Rings fandom, but I am still in Tolkien fandom Ooh. shocking
3: yeah, Ooh.
1: yeah. the
2: cool. person who's a who's an,
3: a
1: fan of old english is still <laughs> interested in Tolkien. i am Just... shocked i, I, I know, believe i've got a case of the vapors i may need to pass out now i'll wait until you've picked yourself up up off the floor to uh to continue here uh... no you can continue okay okay i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he is still, he's still got a few things that I'd, I want to check out. Um, I can't say that I'm terribly interested about reading the letters. It could be insightful, but I don't really see the point personally. Um, but I do want to read his translation of Beowulf, and I do want to check out his translation of, or not translation, but his version of the King Arthur story. Mm. It was, I don't think if he ever finished it, was the catch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few things, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. I can relate. Ooh.
2: You heard it here first. Nick Z is J.R.R. Tolkien. That's that's
0: correct. What?
1: Phanthropological.
0: Exclusive. This summer. This summer.
1: <laughs> what about yourself, G?
0: Well, In and Out is more of a state of mind. than Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, really, because, like, you know, it doesn't matter, like, how much or how little you've seen of it. It's, it's, it's how you feel. Mm. But on the whole... I would say I'm in. I kinda LTR wiki, apart from the article on fandom. <laughs> it's like a, a an abyss for me. I just keep clicking. <laughs> oh, man. Right? It's like who are the blue wizards? Or like what did they do? Yeah. You know, what if I, I think I I have you know, I found Silmarillion a used bookstore sitting on my shelf.
3: Mm-hmm. Can't wait
0: to get into that thing. At the end of the day I love mythology. If there's another movie, I'll see it. Wow. Or I should say when there's another movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully Stephen Colbert has a bigger role this time. Oh yeah, he was...
2: Oh, I forgot about that. He just that. Did, like <laughs> a little cameo or something. It was great. <laughs> he had an patch. A, ver-
0: <laughs> a very notable fan. Cool. See him smack down James Franco with Lord of the Rings knowledge.
3: Oh,
0: <laughs> but, uh... it's a Good world to visit. Yeah. It's the unfinished tales, which will be as sad as reading The Salmon of Doubt, I think. Oh man. It's like, oh, that's the end. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah, I'm down. It's one of those things where I'm not—I don't have a constant buzz about it. When stuff's mm-hmm. coming out, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm excited to see that." Yeah, this make me want to watch the movies again. Admittedly, I've never read the books; they're rather long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> on uh, one of the threads that I went went onto on Reddit, um, somebody was talking about their first read through of the books, and they said that the the quickest they could read them at the time, uh, just because of interest and because of focus and like the the style that Tolkien uses was a chapter a month. Chapter for a month. Yeah. Man. Yeah.
0: Jeez Louise! So
1: if you ever want to check them out, you can read them a chapter a month.
0: Probably read them all faster than that. Yeah, you can probably do better than that. <laughs>
3: well, well.
0: It took you a long time. It took you <laughs> multiple years to finish all yeah. three books.
2: Yeah. The Lord of the Rings is. One thousand eleven hundred and seventy-eight pages. If you read 25 pages a day, which is a tip I recommend for if you actually <laughs> want to finish things, that would take you uh, about a month and a half.
0: That's how many pages Storm of Swords is.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah?
0: Not exactly, but, like, approximately.
3: Hmm.
0: So, like, man, I, gave I, just, I just inhaled. <laughs> I
3: don't know. I feel
0: like I missed out on, like, it being a formative teenage thing. Yeah. Well, they're not written at a teenage level. They're not, like, young adult books or anything like that. No. I feel like a lot no. of people read them as teenagers. Yeah. I was talking to Chloe and, you know, read The Hobbit as a child.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That is a kid's book. Yep. And then for the story, you're grown up, like, a little bit like Harry Potter, but it doesn't kind of grow in the way that Harry Potter does. It's just, like, there's, mm-hmm. like, a kid version and an adult version to mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. And I never had that, like, teen. I was more into Narnia, actually. But Narnia doesn't even seem like a teen thing. It seems a little too young.
2: Yeah. I definitely have a, like, Lord of the Rings fan vid that I used for English class. (laughs) Oh, I think I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. Showed (laughs) up in chainmail with a sword. It was great.
0: (laughs) Fucking everyone's lives.
2: (laughs) I mean, probably the seeds of of being a fan Mm. laid, not there specifically, but
1: around that time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I missed out on that. I feel like I missed out on Rocky Horror because I watched it and I was like, eh. Yeah, I've seen more horrific and rockin'. Oof, contentious words. <laughs>
1: uh, well, you know where to send that mail, people.
0: g at the next <laughs> Ah, sure.
1: <laughs> no hate fail from,
0: no, whatever. I'll, I'll forward them to Z with like a little <laughs> middle finger emoji or something. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that being said, let's move on to the fan of the
2: week. Mm-hmm. I managed to find one fan of the week Lord of the Rings is is you know a long standing franchise and it's as we mentioned quite old so there's not a lot of like new things going on a lot of, just a lot of people being like oh cool Lord of the Rings but somehow in a bizarre twist of fate very recently there have been some strange going ons in the world mm-hmm. I managed to find a tweet from a uh, at snoodmonger don't ask me <laughs> It says breaking news, Donald Trump uses a palantir to open a direct line to the Dark Lord Sauron. <laughs> and I'm I'm not kidding you, there's this picture's been going around the internet a lot. It's Trump holding this glowing or having his hand over this glowing sphere. I think he's in Saudi Arabia or somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And other people have photoshopped in Saruman and other <laughs> things. I think this one has the palantir photoshopped in, but like it's a really weird picture. It does not make any sense. <laughs> So that that is this week's Fan of the Week.
0: <laughs> it's all connected.
2: Look through the looking glass,
0: people. <laughs> exactly.
1: This is the fifth age. I mean, who's to say
0: Soramon is not still around? I mean, he fell off the top of the fourth tank, right?
1: Nah, yeah,
0: yes. Did you see the body? Yeah, there's a trampoline. The body is in the deleted scenes, I believe.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
3: Well, well, I
2: didn't, well, didn't take the time to watch all those. Along with the scouring
0: so. of the shire. I spent a summer watching every special feature. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, time for Spotlight then.
3: Spotlight.
2: All right. I have some interesting things that are actually not Spotlights, but totally belong here.
0: Blacklights. Blacklights.
2: <laughs> That's right. We're a yeah, new segment of Blacklights. Um, yep. No, I just came across these two things and they were very interesting. So I decided uh, we should bring them up. What if I told you that there was this really amazing charity spotlight called Tentmoot? Tentmoot. Moot. Tentmoot. <laughs> moot. Tent moot. Yes. It was an amazing convention that was to be run in December of 2002. It was run mm. by a charity. Mm-hmm. So apparently, and I only found out about this by accident while trying to find a, a good charity for Lord of the Rings. As it turns out, there are not a lot. Mm-hmm. Someone wrote an expose of Amy Player, who is this one important person called, uh, and Z. I guess you'll have to bleep this because it's called "When a Fan Hits the." Okay. <laughs> and uh, if I'm very quickly summarizing what happened, this group of people tried to organize a convention called Tent Moot. Yeah. Uh, days before the convention, one of the con helpers, Chiramel heard that Air New Zealand had backed off of an offer to fly the convention guests to the US for free so they offered to to pay instead later they found out Air New Zealand had never offered to pay for the flights at all oh hmm. further the actors and there were several important actors that were invited uh Sean Aston I think mm-hmm. and um i forget many of the other people it doesn't matter i'll link to it in the show notes um, they were promised accommodations, and it turns out those accommodations were not booked. Oof. The main organizer was contacted, but they had—they uh, were in the hospital because they'd had a suicide attempt. And this is the part where I didn't follow the article very well. It turns out that none of that had actually happened. The main con organizers were con artists, oh. or, or had otherwise been very fraudulent. And so Turamel, this person who was trying to help out with the event, uh, was thousands of dollars in the hole... And actors that she admired were now furious at her, despite the fact that none of this was her fault. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And uh, yeah, so that was a good example of a, a not a charity that we should spotlight. I would recommend that you read the article on Fanlore on uh, When a Fan Hits the sh- There's apparently a book about it.
0: Oh, wow, a weird situation.
2: So that was fun. Uh, I found another spotlight that Zeal will appreciate. This week, we're going to spotlight a very important charity. It's called uh, When Dan Makes Aaron Watch Lord of the Rings, Some Guy Will Donate $100 to Charity. (laughs) Yep. Uh, That that was one of the top results. (laughs) I was looking for Lord of the Rings charities. (laughs) Uh, That was just from the Game Grumps subreddit. Uh, But what I actually found for a real, totally legitimate, not a scam, spotlight for this week is, of course, the Tolkien Society. The Tolkien Society is an educational charity, literary society, and an international fan club devoted to promoting the life and works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, They're a registered charity in England. It was founded in 1969. Uh, Even though it's based in the UK, it has members across many different countries. And I think a lot of their charity work involves, like, donating books to different places. and Not not just Lord of the Rings, but, like, it's kind of that kind of a, a charity. If you want to check that out, you can go to... TolkienSociety.org, in case you don't know how to spell that, because Tolkien is a weird name, it's T O L K I E N Society.org. And of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention our other spotlight. Oh. Yeah, you know, that spotlight where we travel through time to stop mm-hmm. our mother from being murdered by the Anti Flash. Okay. okay. Oh, no. It's not, it's not that one? Oh. No. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. Part of
0: familiar. It's where we fly around the world in the opposite direction. Hmm. uh, So it goes backwards in time. Yep. It's that
2: one. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to go back in time so that this never happened. Hey, we're doing the second spotlight. It's The Race Against Time. Now in its third year of running, The Race Against Time is our annual charity livestream where we work our way through Chrono Trigger, obtaining all its different endings, and raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Last year, we raised over $1,200 Canadian which is about $1,000 American. We have plans to surpass that. Uh, We have finally locked down the locations. We're going to have rock-solid internet and a really cool space. Really excited Uh, about having
0: the rock-solid internet. Yeah.
2: (laughs) This year, the event will be held on August 12th through to August 13th, starting at about 10 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to know about the event when it starts and you are on Twitch already, you can go to twitch.tv slash the That is where the event will be hosted we will also be posting updates to raceagainsttime.io. For example, this year once again, Fan Gamer is going to be helping us out, donating some of the Chrono Trigger keychains, and also donating seven dollars of the proceeds of the sale
0: of every keychain to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada.
1: Nice.
2: So uh, check that out.
0: So if you were looking to find us on the World Wide Web or Information Superhighway, if you will,
3: it's
0: <laughs> the exact reaction I was looking for. <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at The NixCast. You can also find us on iTunes, where we'd love it. You would subscribe, give us a rating or review, help more people uh, find out what we're doing over here, and get more fan talk in ear holes. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> I believe we're also That's on Stitcher hard. now.
2: Yes, we're now on Stitcher. We are in a lot of places if you're looking for podcasts, you can find us. In a lot of places. If you're not
0: satisfied with the way you're already hearing this, there are lots of other ways you can hear it.
2: Uh, you can also check us out on patreon.com slash the next cast. Why would you do that? You might do that if you want to help us to keep the lights on by becoming a patron of the next cast and donating even as little as a dollar a month. You can help us to keep this podcast running and keep it ad free. It helps us to make our way out to conventions, get all that footage where we're meeting different fans and showcasing different causes and just generally keep doing what we're doing. If you're wondering what that money's going to, we like to be very transparent about it. And you can check out our goals on patreon.com slash the next cast. Because that will tell you what we're going to be up to. Uh, so again, check
1: that out. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash the next cast. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check out what's going on with us on Twitter, you can always use that hashtag Fanthro. Or just search for the hashtag Fanthro. That's hashtag F-A-N-T-H-R-O. Oh, I believe that takes
2: us to G's favorite part of the show. That's right. Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words. If you wanted to uh, hold us to saying something really stupid, this is usually the point in the show. (laughs) If we haven't already gotten there, this is the point in the show where that happens. (laughs) It's where we talk about any statements or questions we have about the next week's fandom that we'll be covering. And next week we will be talking about bollywood fans so fans of i mean they're not indian movies it's it's like a particular type of indian movie yeah it's like the big budget indian musical you know what yeah. i am apparently starting my famous last <laughs> words right now why don't you just finish but, them no nope. yep i, have, I can't <laughs> finish them i need to have something to eat next week Good boy. <laughs> i'm gonna start with z z what are All your right. famous last words about bollywood fans
1: My famous last words about Bollywood fans is that uh, either... I'm just going to cast a wide net with this one. Either before or after the original airing of the Simpsons episode in which Apu comes to live with the Simpsons and they watch what uh, Apu claims is the most popular Bollywood film, that film is real. I mean, that's... Like, there's, there's a real version of that film. I mean, probably. <laughs> Alright, famous last words, over. <laughs> <laughs> so we're bringing it over to you, G. Ah! Oh no. <laughs>
0: um, I'm curious if people who are uh, Western fans of Bollywood films are also interested in, in Indian culture in general. Or if it's just like they're like the songs or something. and you know, they're just interested in the movies as like movies from another place. Or if if it is indicative of what interest in Indian culture.
1: Kind of like how people who like French film tend to uh, begin to like or already like French culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, it's not necessarily all Indian films. It's mm-hmm. a particular type of film. It is Indian culture. But it probably doesn't entirely represent like what India is like. Yeah. So, like, I'd, I'd be curious to know how much people gravitate towards that or if they just think they're good movies.
2: I was originally going to ask a sensible question like, you know, are fans of Bollywood mostly, you know, Indian people or or people, Western people or whatever? But I thought to ask a better question because I think it'll be more interesting when I go to the research, which is, what is the most ridiculous Bollywood film that exists? <laughs> That'll
0: be good. That'll be good.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm going to try and watch some stuff.
2: Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah this idea. is
0: probably one of the finals we cover that I know the least about. Yeah. So, it's exciting.
2: Same here. I'm quite confident I know very little about many things.
0: <laughs> the only true knowledge comes in knowing that you know nothing.
2: Thank you, Socrates. <laughs> and thank you, everyone else, for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: shall see. Ha! <laughs> we have a segment called Tease Tox Clause. <laughs> Tease Tox <talks> Clause. <laughs> what? A Tox Clause. I might have been named after the, the the username of the person who did it. Was like, who was like, man, if this doesn't happen, uh, I'll be banned.
3: <laughs> like just made
0: just made a promise that was like, if if this thing doesn't go through, then <laughs> then you can ban me. Wow. And he got banned. <laughs> And from then it's been it's it's been called a tox cause. Perfect. T survives for another week. Yeah. <laughs> are those uh, your T- are
2: those your famous last
3: words?
0: <laughs> yeah, tea's fine for another week. <laughs> My famous last word. Um is that, do you do you feel like you got more out of it have, after having done the episode?